Hello, you're listening to LockPod. My name's Katie Ringsdor, and today I'm joined by Guy Rigby. Now, Guy's a team of two people who are about to row across the Atlantic to raise some money for charity. Now, if they're successful in this venture at the end of the year, the records currently stand that they will be the oldest pair to ever row any ocean. I decided to have a chat with Guy to find out more about his adventure. Guy, thank you very much indeed for joining me on LockPod today. So um, I've done a little introduction to you, um, but you're training for a 3,000 mile row across the Atlantic, which sounds like a massive job to me. Tell me a little bit about why. Well, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I've been working all my life. I've done uh, 50 years in the saddle come up to October, and I just decided that it was time to make a change, do something different, perhaps create some sort of segue between you know, my full-time working career and perhaps some consultancy work later on. And um, I, I felt like I wanted to do something real, having pushed paper around desks all my life, you know, uh, advising entrepreneurs on, on how to grow their businesses and all that sort of stuff. I just thought it was time to go out there and do something real and indeed give something back. So uh, we're, we're doing this row to raise money for a charity called Unlimited. Uh, which is the foundation for social entrepreneurs. What they do is they find, fund, and support social entrepreneurs, uh, typically in deprived areas. So that's what we're doing. Now, there's a lot of training involved, and I know this because you and I have spoken previously about this uh, fantastic adventure about to go on. I think an adventure would be the right word. Tell me a little bit about the training that's involved. Well, I think there are lots of different elements to the training, actually. Um, uh, obviously, there's the physical side itself, which involves, you know, getting to, uh, for a 68-year-old, which I am, uh, getting to peak fitness, uh, that is, for a 68-year-old. Um, and uh, so I mix that up. I do a bit of rowing, I do a bit of running, I do a bit of biking. Um, and I've also, for the first time in my life, uh, engaged a personal trainer who comes and makes me lift really heavy weights twice a week. And, uh, and yeah, it's making a difference, actually. I'm feeling a lot a lot fitter and uh but, but it's difficult to prepare for something like an atlantic row because we're going to be rowing two hours on two hours off 24 hours a day for 60 days broadly and uh so 12 hours of rowing a day um is not something i'm going to actually train for here uh you know sitting at home or or you know getting ready for it so we're going to do a bit of our training on the way there's no doubt about that Okay, yeah. So that's the physical side. Mentally, obviously, you've got to be up for it. Um, two and a half years ago, when I first thought of it, I was completely up for it. Um, but uh, as time goes on, it gets a bit more scary, a bit more challenging. Uh, the first week or so out at sea, you know, seasickness, um, perhaps not being able to eat or drink, therefore, you know, losing a lot of body weight, maybe hallucinations, things like that, all a bit worrying. Hopefully, we'll get through that. Uh, and then, of course, it's just the endurance of, you know, day in, day out, hour in, hour out, rowing, sleeping, eating, um, and uh, repeat, you know. So so that's the, the mental side. And then uh, there's the actual technical side, which is like navigation, uh, safety at sea, all that sort of stuff. So we've been on various courses for that. Uh and finally, there's learning about all the boat equipment. Um, so we've had to, we've had to, you know, we're still doing that at the moment. So uh, this Saturday we have our water maker course because, of course, we have to make our own water as we go along. So we have a uh, a machine that does that, a water maker that does that. So we're going on a course on how to make sure that we can repair it, rebuild it, etc. Um, 
couple of weeks after that, we're going on an electrical course in case all the electrics on the boat go down. Of course, if the electrics on the boat go down, then the water maker goes down. So all pretty fundamental stuff. So lots of training and preparation. In fact, I would never have believed how much training and preparation has been. Yeah, it's a huge job. And and obviously, two of you on a boat for that period of time. I mean, you and David, uh, you, you've known each other for, for a long time. Tell me about the history between you guys and how and why you decided to do this. Well, so it was originally my idea um, because I just, as I explained earlier, wanted to do something different um, and, and real. Um, and of course, so I had a hit list. Originally, I wanted to do this as a squad, four people. Uh, right across uh, the Atlantic, and uh, I wasn't looking at any records or anything like that. And uh, so all the dead certs I had written down on my list, I approached, and they all ran 100 miles in the opposite direction. Uh, to my surprise, actually, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's not everyone's bottle, uh, this thing. And um, I was... Uh, I knew David's father very well. In fact, David's father was 11 years older than me, and David is 11 years younger than me. Um, and David's father was a, a great friend. His name was Richard. He had cancer in 2017, but he'd spent his life uh, doing real things, particularly as a fisherman, uh, catching crabs, putting food on the table, all that sort of stuff. Um, and he inspired me. And um, after he died, I was just chatting to David, actually a couple of years later, really, 2019. Um, and... Uh, I said, look, you know, I, I want to do this thing right across the Atlantic. Would you like to do it with me? And he said, well, can you do that? Is that a real thing? I said, well, Google it. And uh, he came back to me and said, look, I'd love to do it. I need to get, you know, I need to think it through and all the rest of it. Anyway, so we agreed. Um, so it's pretty amazing that it's, you know, one of my great friend's sons that I'm doing this with. Uh, and indeed, the pair of us will be a combined age of 124 when we do it. So we'll still be the the world record holders in terms of the oldest pair ever to row in the ocean. Point really that when we discovered that, um, if we did it as a pair rather than a quad, uh, because we were originally, or I was still thinking about getting another couple of rowers on board to make life a bit easier. Um, uh, when we discovered we'd be the world record holders, we thought we'd go just as, as, as two of us, which of course adds about 20 days to the suffering. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's it, it's a nice one to, to have, and um, you know if we can be if we, so. Our, our kind of mission statement is to remain as friends, uh, get there safely, and not be overtaken by the guy in the pink elephant suit. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's very true. I hope you don't get overtaken by a guy in a pink elephant suit. That would be quite a story. Uh, now we talked about some of the risks and you know uh, things like seasickness and how you're going to manage to eat and sleep and row. You know, it's not it's not a small undertaking. Are there any other risks as well? Because I, I, when we spoke last time, you were telling me stories about swordfish. Marlin, actually, yes, uh, which, which I guess is a type of swordfish. Um, so in recent years, particularly in last year's race, I mean, there were only 20 boats in last year's race due to COVID. Normally, there were about 30. This year, I think there are 40 because, again, because of the, the bad year last year. So it's a massive race this year. But last year, four of the 20 boats got attacked uh, by Marlins, um, and uh, one of them, uh, three or three of them were not serious. They they hold the boat, um, and that means you have to go over the side, chop the spear off because it breaks off. Uh, the Marlins spear breaks off, uh, but one of them sent a thirty centimeter spike 
gut between one of the crew's legs while he was asleep in the cabin. So if it had been a couple of feet further forward, he'd probably have actually been killed by it. So that's that's a that's a big risk. And they're talking about putting Kevlar in the boats and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we're not sure whether or not that will work because we're told that actually a Marlin strike at 50 miles an hour coming up from the deep would go straight through it. So um, uh, that's, a, that's a slight worry. Another team um, uh, were, were harassed by a shark for a while um, a couple of years ago. And um, so they rang the safety officer of the race and said, well, you know, we've been harassed by a shark for a while now. What should we do? And the, the safety officer said, "Well, he said, I don't know, but why don't you hit it with an oar?" So they hit it with an oar, and it and it and it it, it uh, bit the oar in half. Um, so uh, <laughs> there are there are a few other yeah other hazards are you know obviously this the sea state. Um, so you get kind of waves uh, coming from two directions. One is the kind of general, you know. Uh, the normal wave direction and the other will be affected by wind so you get road waves and things like that 40 foot swells sometimes maybe maybe higher um uh so yeah it's all that all that kind of stuff really that, that we need to be thinking about but we're hoping that uh most of those waves will be coming from behind and pushing us in the direction we want to go and if they don't then we have something called a power anchor uh, which is a big parachute that you deploy from the front of the boat, from the bow of the boat, which goes under the water and hopefully stops you drifting backwards in the wrong direction too fast. Uh, so if it gets really nasty and the winds are in the wrong direction, then you deploy that and go and sit in the cabin and, cabin and have a cup of tea, sometimes for days. Wow. Wow. And actually speaking about... Uh, the boat itself. I mean, you can't just go rowing across the Atlantic on any old boat. Uh, could tell me a little bit more about the vessel itself. I mean, what kind of size is it? It sounds like it's quite technologically advanced. Well, I, there's a company called Renate Adventure that make most of the ocean rowing boats these days. And uh, I think they are, you know, they're advancing the technology all the time. Our boat was built in 2019. She's been across the Atlantic once, uh, rowed by a brother and sister pair called the Seablings. Um, and uh, they were double record breakers. First of all, they were the first um, brother and sister pair. And secondly, they were the first, they were the fastest mixed pair ever to row the Atlantic. So she's a record breaker already. She's 24 feet long. Um, she's got two cabins. The one cabin is used for storage. Uh, the other cabin is where we circulate. So we will circulate through the, the rear cabin, uh, the stern cabin. And uh, so every two hours, one will come out, one will go in to that stern cabin. Um, and uh, she's kitted out with, you know, all the normal stuff. So if we've got a chart plotter, which is a GPS. Uh, we've got uh, electronic positioning, indicating radio beacons in case things go wrong wrong we have to do a mayday so we've got a couple of those one on the boat one in the life raft um uh we've got personal locator beacons which we wear on our belts at all times we are never unclipped from the boat ever apart from when we're in the cabin or sleeping uh even in calm conditions so and you know it's it's quite brutal out there in fact uh, two or three weeks ago we had a bit of a heat wave in the uk you may remember and uh we rode from Salkham to Falmouth and back, which is about 200 and odd kilometers in that brutal, you know, 
uh, sunshine, and we're going to get quite a lot of that um, out there. So yeah, it's it's um, lots of things to, to to think about and um, and and perhaps get concerned about. But I think the mental resilience that we need is is you know I think we'll, we'll our age will help with that. We hope. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And you're, you know, you're, you seem very excited and very positive about it, which is, you know, the right way to be. What do you do about eating? What kind of foods do you eat when you're out there? Well, this is a real issue at the moment for me because I'm finding it really difficult to find anything I like. Uh, the answer is basically dried packet food. Uh, and there are a variety of manufacturers that make it. Uh, I'm not a great rice fan, um, unfortunately, and nearly everything comes with rice. So I've been searching around for potato-based dried meals and things like that, which I, which I far prefer. Uh, and basically, you get a packet of food and you pour boiling water into it, which we have to heat up on the boat. And a lot of people say that's the most dangerous thing on the boat, the, the, um, the gas burner that you use to heat water. So a lot of people don't bother. They just pour cold water in, leave it for an hour and eat it cold. Uh, we think that's a bit heathen-like. Um, so we're des- des- definitely going to try to heat up our water. Um, obviously not in really, really big seas and things like that. So we'll have to be sensible about it. Uh, but yeah, you, you pour your water into this packet, wait, you know, whatever it says on the side of the packet, 10 minutes or something, and then it's supposedly uh, edible. Well, I'm finding that that isn't the case with most of the things. I had uh, one unnamed a dish the other night with some peas in it. I left it for 10 minutes and they were like bullets um, and uh, left it for 20 minutes and they were still like bullets and after half an hour they were more like ball bearings than bullets to be honest. So um, that was that's pretty disgusting but the, the real challenge is that we have to eat probably in the region of 5,000 calories a day which is probably two and a half times the amount that I would normally eat in a day and that involves Swallowing chocolate bars, uh, special supplements, um, you know, and three or four of these dried meals. Uh, there is a tiny bit of relief on the horizon in that there are some wet meals that we're allowed to take. So we can, but they add an enormous amount of weight to the boat. And weight is a key issue on the boat running across the Atlantic because every extra pound you add slows it down. Um, so we're going to take some some ready-made wet meals in packets, and they do things delicious things like uh, sausages, beans, and omelette, you know, and things like that in a in a lovely packet. <laughs> Sounds so, lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, I, compared to the size, must be it's delicious. <laughs> so that's what we have to eat, and of course, we have to make our own water mm-hmm. to uh, to put that in or heat it up with that sort of stuff. Gosh, wow, that doesn't sound particularly appetising. And I suppose you don't want to put too much weight on before the race because you were just saying, obviously, too much weight on the boat slows you down. But, you know, there is a risk that you might get too thin. Well, people typically lose uh, 10 kilograms over the course of the race, so 22 pounds, stone and a half. Uh, one of the guys we know from last year lost 18 kilograms, which is quite a lot. Um, and, um, yeah. So the answer is, I think the advice is that you, you put on a little bit of weight uh, beforehand, but not too much. The other thing is that um, it's not just your own weight, but the, the, the race rules require you to take a certain amount of food per body, per kilo of body weight. So the heavier you get, the more food you need to carry. So it's a wow. double whammy in terms of, 
uh, in terms of weight. Wow. Uh, but we're making a massive saving. At the moment, we have the Dell batteries in the boat um, and the favoured batteries days of lithium, as you probably know in electric vehicles and things like that. Um, and believe it or not, we're going to save 38 kilograms by changing the batteries from gel batteries to lithium batteries. So I've said to my rowing partner, maybe we can maybe we can put some wet meals in to make up some of that some of that difference. It's a good idea, actually. Wow, that's, that's quite a difference in the battery weight. Um, so Huge. obviously, you're raising lots of money for a fabulous charity called Unlimited. Can you tell me a little bit about the charity and why you've chosen it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, my background has been, in, which I hinted at before, has been about advising entrepreneurs um, throughout my life, helping them grow their businesses. And I've become aware of exactly how many benefits that brings to communities. Uh, you know, it creates jobs, creates wealth, creates philanthropy, all sorts of uh, benefits that, uh, that entrepreneurs uh, uh, bring to communities by, by doing those things. And so I, I thought, well, having done this all my life, um, you know, probably not the answer to go off and try try and raise money for a cancer charity or something. All very valuable, of course, and fantastic, but I don't think I'd have achieved anything by doing that. So I thought, well, what I need to do is to tap into this community and uh, raise money for a charity that, that does this good work in trying to find entrepreneurs that create jobs and wealth. Um, and I came across Unlimited, uh, which is actually the formal name is the Foundation for Social Entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, they find, fund and support social entrepreneurs, typically in deprived areas. Uh, more than 50 percent, I think last year, 60 odd percent were women, uh, which is great because women don't get much funding for, to start businesses. It's just, you know, they're in a minority there. Um, I think nearly half of the people they help are BAME. Um, so, you know, it, it made huge sense to me to try to raise money for that cause. Um, and it also engaged my community, the community I've worked with all my life. But we're doing pretty well so far, um, with all our pledges and sponsorships and actual donations received, uh, our gross funding total is now standing at 418,000 pounds. Amazing. Um, so we've got about, uh, at old fact, actually, David and I have contributed £20,000. So we paid the entry fee. Um, and uh, we think the costs are going to be in the region of about 80000 80, Um And they are, you know, around things like, uh, obviously, the, the cost of the boat, less the resale value, uh, transporting the boat from here to the Canaries, where we start, and then back from Antigua is an enormous uh, cost. Um, and then, you know, everything else, boat equipment, food costs, travel costs, you name it, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we think uh, somewhere around 80,000. So at the moment, we're probably approaching 350,000 for the charity. That's absolutely amazing. And is that higher than what you were expecting? What was your initial target? Wow, I've, I've got this mad target of a million pounds. But um, well, it sounds like you're you on know, the road get- to it. <laughs> Well, if we can get to, so yeah, if we can get to half a million uh, or above, that that will still be a worthwhile contribution. And um, yeah, what well, well, we've got a sort of strategy, which is, you know, at this point, it's still all about sponsors. Um, but come the end of September, we have to finalise all the sponsorship because 
it's at, at the point when we have to design, finalize the boat design and actually get it wrapped with all the sponsors' logos on. So after that, sponsors won't be able to get logos on the boat. So then we convert over to public donations. And um, we're hoping that the networks and supporters we've got on board, like Lockbox, are going to publicize what we're trying to achieve and that, you know, people will give five pounds or ten pounds or whatever it is. And if we get enough of them, then that is going to make a real difference. But, so we've got Crowdcube on board with their 400,000 investors, which is brilliant. Uh, and I've got something like 21 or two entrepreneur networks um, also on board. Some of them are showing signs of being active and some of them aren't. But, uh, we're, 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 you know. Hopefully, if it gets more exciting and we're actually out there and people are following us, then, then they'll, they'll start to get active. Absolutely. And we're going to hopefully follow your journey. So we're going to uh, do a bit of recording with you for another lock pod uh, before you set off. And then hopefully we'll speak to you uh, mid-Atlantic and then again at the end. So that's something to look forward to as well for next year when we can celebrate your achievement. Um, but if people are listening to this now and they're either a business that wants to maybe get involved in sponsorship or perhaps uh, just an individual that would like to help sponsor or donate, how can people get involved? So... Um didn't talk about the naming of the boat, did I? I tried to think about all sorts of names but for the team, actually, not the boat. The boat is called Lily, all right? And she's always been Lily, and she will always be Lily, and we love Lily. And that's an amazing story, which I must just tell you about, because she chose us. Um, we saw her in La Gomera when we went out to do a test run to see if we were going to do this thing. And we got to meet the, uh, the original brother and sister pair. And then he rang me up after his race and said, do you want to buy it? wanted far too much money so I said no and it just happened that we went up to Rannick Adventure which is the, the manufacturer on a particular day and it happened to be the only day that they were also there these the brother and sister pair um, uh, renting their boat to someone to do a round Britain attempt uh, almost at the same time our web designer who was building our website uh, uh, came up with a front page with a picture of Lily on it uh, because we didn't have a boat at that stage. And so everything came together, and the guys, the Seablings, then said, you can have her for a bit less money. So she chose us, and um, and she's called Lily. But the team name, I was trying to think, you know, all these clever names, you get all these, you know, awesome, you know, OAR and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I thought, well, hang on, I'm raising money for entrepreneurs. Why don't I call it the entrepreneurship? And uh, so... The answer to your question, how do people find us? The entrepreneurship.co.uk is our website. Um, and um, it, it, my contact details are there. Anyone who wants to get in touch, just email me. or uh, I'm not sure whether my phone number is there, but I'm very good with email. So, um, so it, all the details are there. Indeed, also all our social channels. So we're on Facebook and Instagram and uh, uh, LinkedIn and all that sort of stuff. And we'll put a link to uh, to your site on this LockPod channel as well so people can click directly through as well because, uh, you know, I think it's an amazing, an amazing feat that you're taking on here, Guy. And, you know, I wish you and David all the best. I suppose my last question to you really is through all the training and the preparation that you guys have been doing, is there anything in particular you've really learned about yourself during this? Um, well, that's the only thing I've learned about myself. Uh, <laughs> I think... Um, I've always been, I've always, you know, I, I think you can eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? That's my kind of 
view on life. Um, and uh, this is a big, this, these are big bites that I'm taking. And uh, so I'm, you know, I, I, as I said, two and a half years ago, this was, you know, you know, dream come true, it's going to be fantastic, blah, blah, blah. Now I've got less than four months to go before we set off. Um, it's all just getting a bit daunting. And there is so much to do. I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning thinking, where are those locking wheel nuts for the, for the, for the bearings? Which box are they in? And how do we make sure we don't forget those? Because, you know, if our seats seize up, uh, then we're not going to be able to, to, to row and all that sort of stuff. So um, I, I don't know what I've learned about myself. I, I realize that I've taken on something enormous. Uh, especially at my age, you know, I'll be 69 next April. So um, that is, uh, and and I suppose I, I do have fears, which I wasn't sure I would have, but I the first week I'm pretty fearful of. I'm fearful of getting ill, sick. Uh, I don't mean seasick particularly. I mean, that won't be pleasant, but hopefully we'll get over that. But properly, properly ill in some way. Uh, which happens more frequently to 68-year-olds than it does to 25-year-olds. You know, these are the sorts of things. But um, so far, so good. You know, we are. You know, we are. There are a lot of. There's a lot of bits of elephant that we're biting off every day now, and we're chewing them and getting them down, and we're slowly, slowly working our way towards that start line. So, uh, uh, and then of course it's a completely new ball game. All the admin and planning goes out the window. And then it's a physical endurance and mental endurance uh, challenge. So, yeah, we are we're doing well. And my partner David is also doing well. And uh, we're trying our hardest to get fit. He's much better than me. He's a he's done Iron Man and all sorts of stuff. So, and he's also eleven years younger. So, you know, it's going to be um, it, it's going to it's going to be interesting. I told him, by the way, that he's doing the rowing and I'm doing the cooking. Well, I think that's only fair. At least you won't have to worry about eating just rice then. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Guy, thank you so much indeed for talking to me today. And I wish you all the best. And I'm looking forward to following your journey across the Atlantic uh, come December. But very best of luck. Can I ask you, can I say one more thing? Of course. Which is that uh, on Facebook, there is a, a, there is a um, channel called Dot Watchers. So anyone who wants to watch the race can actually watch it uh, through the Dot Watchers on Facebook. And uh, if they just when they when they apply to join that group, uh, they just put in the entrepreneurship as the, as the boat they're following, and then hopefully the organisers will accept them, um, and they'll be able to see us as we go across. Obviously, the docks are all the boats going across the Atlantic. Fantastic! I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, all the best, and uh, we'll speak to you just before the race. So, uh, I'll speak to you in December. Perfect. Thanks very Thank much, you. Guy.